there, chitheads, and welcome back to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week I'm joined by... Sam. And Tristan. And this week we've been playing Euphoria. Um, but before we get into that, it's time for another lovely review shout-out, because we've had people reviewing the podcast. Hopefully they listened to the podcast before they reviewed it, but to be honest... It doesn't matter. It's a review. It do, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just get all your friends to review us on iTunes and like try and bribe them with something like a chocolate bar. Um, promise to never to ask them to review us on iTunes again. Those sorts of things. Um, it all helps, hopefully, to help us get listeners. We have had a nice little bump in the listener numbers since this. So we just want to give a little shout out to Lone Gamesman for um, putting a really nice review and a five-star rating online on the iTunes store for us. So thanks very much. What a legend. Yeah, he said that the podcast is a great listen to. Not for not only reviews the board games, but it's uh, presented in a relaxed and in-depth manner. And I don't, yeah, I don't think he realizes just how tired we are. Because <laughs> we, we tend to record. Oh, the tension quite, around yeah, the table. Yeah, we record and we hate each other. So, so we record late at night. And um, so apparently that that's good, you know. So thank you. Thank you very much. And let's carry on with the podcast. This week we played Euphoria, um, a Stonemaier game by James Stegmaier and Alan Stone for two to six players. And it's a sort of area control, um, Euro worker placement, dice allocation game. It's like Scythe's little brother. It's the precursor to Scythe. It's some similar mechanics, although it's not... Uh, no mechs. No, no similar theme. And No mechs, uh, more dice. Yeah. How do we get hold of this copy, Tristan? Yeah, I um, snuck into a shop and stole it. When no one was looking. <laughs> it was it was very kindly sent to us by Jamie Stegmaier. So we should probably preface all of our conversation about this with that in mind. Excellent. So yeah, it's uh, basically we treated it like a review copy. And um, so just so you know, we're, you know, we're not being sponsored. It's a shill. It's it. a shill review. Total, total shill review. Shill warning everywhere. But thank you very much um, to the guys, Jamie in particular, and the guys at Stonemaier Games for sending this on. So... Yes, Euphoria. Um, did I get the sort of mechanics right? Did I describe the game properly? It's do you a worker placement game yeah. where your dice are your workers and the number on each die so. represents <laughs> that worker's knowledge, which you will compare to the knowledge of other players' workers throughout the game. Yeah. Well, that description and your memory of that you description just... was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nailed it in the sense of the final nail in the coffin. Oh, there's three more paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I'm quite happy to leave it there. Um, I, I think it is more that worker placement thing than um, yes. area control, though. I think that's oh, area end. control is very light. Very yeah, light. Yeah, yeah. There's areas that, <laughs> that you, control. you can get to. And, and even that is, you just there's terri- no, there are territories that, yeah. you, that have limited spaces um, that you occupy yeah, with your... Authority. I didn't feel like you were really controlling them. I felt more like you know you're sort of in sync with them, blocking other people from getting. There's a few. Yeah, there's a few actions that might. You can't in this. The the actual stars, the authority tokens. Not stars, but the dice. Okay, let's zoom out. (laughs) Let's go back. Shall we go back to the theme? It's two to six players. Yeah, we've covered that. It's um, euphoric. It says it takes around 60 minutes. It's not wrong. It's not wrong. We we rattled through two games tonight. We did. The first one was quicker before Sam got here and slowed yeah. things down. Two player game. Player. Were, <laughs> <There's three. laughs> Good point. They were both technically learning the games, though, weren't they? Like I was learning the rules for one of them. Sam was learning the rules. Well, he says he was learning the rules. I think he's been practicing at home with another copy of the game. And I was learning the Played rules. Played it too well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so the theme then. So it's an apocalyptic future. Post-apocalyptic. Well, so post-apocalyptic. There's, there's been an unspoken apocalypse and you're building a city in the aftermath, which... Yeah. Turns out to be a dystopia, yeah, not a utopia. So you're one of you're one of the uh, the drones working like mid level management. Yeah, drone you discovered claim the city. That's it. You discovered that nof- nothing's as it really seems. You've been fed some lies, and you were given a choice to leave and make it on the wastelands on your own, or stay and try and topple the system. You decide to stay and topple the system. Um, it's not a spoiler because it's in the flavor text. <laughs> and from then on, you're basically trying to recruit people within the city to become your workers, to help you to liberate them. And then you're trying to get to people on the outside and steal resources and just generally co-ops with them a little bit to try and bring down this city of euphoria, which is very much like the London of 1984. There's loads of lovely little references to like 1984, uh, Brave New World, Metropolis. There's um, the dystopian, manipulative uber-government is a strong theme in the game. As always with Stonemaier games, you do get lots of theme for your money. And then the mechanics basically just, you know, they um, they back it up. There's loads of mechanics. There's about 400 million mechanics. <laughs> um, but what are the biggies? What are the big ones that people enjoyed? The dice are your workers. Yeah, it was nice. And what I really liked about the dice as well is that they are, they're just dice. They've got one numbers on them with one to six, but, but then like cogs. well, yeah, they've been tricked out. So, which is nice because sometimes with the thematic dice, you just get like little bite marks and scratch marks, and like, oh, this is a random icon that you don't really know what it is, so you just refer to it as the squinty eye or something like that. <laughs> but not so in this game. No, they're just cool looking. One yeah, to six side that's it. Dice. But yeah, it's the, those that I like the way that they work, and the on the back of that, the dice allocation, so you can. Pretty much put your dice anywhere, but depending on the value of the dice, it determines the reward. Yeah. So you get better or worse rewards depending on your situation, depending on what dice you put on where. Yeah. And it's not so the, the, the value on the dice is supposed to be that worker's knowledge. So like yeah. the better they are, the you know the more yeah. they work. But the higher the knowledge, the more chance that they'll find they'll out lose. there's something wrong with this city and then yeah. they'll do one. So you're trying to keep them in the dark, really. You want the workers to progress your agenda but you don't want them to learn so much whilst doing it that they actually um, get a bit cynical and run away. So that's interesting because you pl- you allocate your dice based on the role. So you might put it down in the generator to generate electricity. You might put it down in the aquifers, aquifers to get you some water. <laughs> or you might have rolled really badly, so you just chuck them in a tunnel to try and like dig into the next area for you and um, steal some resources. Um, then when you take the dice back off the board you then have to roll them. And if the total number that the dice give you is 16 or higher, you lose a worker. So your highest knowledge worker, so the highest roll result goes back into a pool. And then you have to try and like build yourself back up to get them back out again. Um, and it's really good because it's like a dice allocation game where you really want to roll low for about a split second. <laughs> and then you spend the rest of the turn cursing how low you actually did roll because you can't really do much now which is is quite funny and um you also like the way that they now then block other workers so there's a load of spaces where you can put as many workers as you want so tristan can play two workers there i can play two sam can put three there if he wants to but by the time the first two workers have gone down then you get quite a lot of reward but at the same time you also get like um something bad happens 
like you're they're forcing knowledge on you or something like that. So then it was really nice sort of balance where you're constantly trying to look for the cheap deals, but trying to try and jump on the expensive ones before they just get mental and really like push you out. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of resources to collect. In the there's game. so many. Yeah. So it's like four sort of basic. Not to be confused with commodities. commodities. Yeah, there we go. There's four commodities, which like you said, electric, Water, food, and bliss. Uh, bliss. bliss. Whatever that is. Either a it's, drug it's or the, drug. the promise of a it's new the love world. Drug. But they're all sort of reflect the four different societies that are building the utopia. And you don't actually, in a weird way, you don't specifically take on a society because you've got an agent from one of the societies. For, yeah. But you've also got another sleeper agent that you're trying to convince yeah. to come over, which invariably you kind of want to it's, make it a different it's, it's where the theme gets a bit confusing isn't it really just slightly yeah, it's not like so so there's like the euphorian city where all the rich people live then there's the subterran underground where people are tunneling for water yeah. and stuff then you've got the wastelanders who are making food out in farms and then you've got the euphorian no the, the, the icarites, icarites yeah who are in zeppelins up in the sky so initially when you're setting it up you sort of think okay so i'm going to play as the you know, the Zeppelin dudes and you'll be the water dudes, but it's not really like that. You, Everyone's playing all of them at once and you're using all the resources from all the different spots. So unlike in Scythe, for example, where you, you know, you have a specific nation that you're playing as, you're kind of, you're using a bit of everybody's. There's also no direct conflict like in Scythe. It's very much just the, yeah. the wooden component Euro side of it. That's it, plastic, yeah. Attacky things. It's I think blocky, thematically, you, you're using each of those different factions aren't you you're yeah. manipulating them for your yeah. own agenda as opposed to working alongside them and there's some quite cool things going on so like the the euphorian um city people are digging a tunnel down into the subterrans to try and steal the water and the subterrans are digging up into the farmlands to try and steal the food and the farmers are trying to dig into the other guys they're, to get their stuff they're like tapping the lamppost aren't yeah. they for free electricity and you and so in the game if you use a spot that like pushes the miner along the they make the tunnel go further and it works the, yeah it works the miner towards activating a brand new space and um triggering like lots of little things lots of things to track and any sort of any of the general spaces where you just go to collect a resource will push the agenda yeah. of one of the different four different societies. And as that agenda goes on, it gives benefits to anybody who's from, like if you've got a recruit from that society. And it will also tip over like other bonuses. And so everything, but but if you tip that bonus over, it's going to give that same bonus to anybody else who's, yeah. the same, who's got a recruit from the same society. So like me and Sam were, were both uh, subterrans. Yeah. So we were kind of pushing the same agenda there, but also not because you kind of, you, you want the benefit, but I don't want to, I don't want to be pushing it and wasting yeah. my turn, you know, push advancing that agenda when it benefits you when I know you can do it, um, kind of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of second guessing yeah. every other's motives, isn't there? Which and ironically is what you did with the Icarites, and you just pushed them really high, and then went, oh, that's not me anyway. That wasn't your hidden one, and it was mine. I'll just let you yeah. do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, so one of the main things of the game is there's six different markets that you can build that you work together to build, and you. Um, spend resources and put your work on a space to start building it and as soon as you do that it's like a flag to everybody else that they have to join in and help build it uh, because if they don't when it completes you get to put a victory token down on it yeah. it's the first person to put 10 victory tokens down wins the game Which wasn't that fun everyone <laughs> well I enjoyed I, it <laughs> I, I, I had a hand in like 
two markets. <laughs> I got iced out. Iced out pretty quickly. You've got to be very careful. And if you get iced out of the market, there's a penalty. Yeah. Some of those penalties are okay, and some of them are massively severe. So, like, when I completed a market by myself, it iced you two out of the whole Icarus race, and none of you could go to get bliss from Blistonia um, or whatever <laughs> it's called. It. The cloud mines. From the Icarites. Um, but then you similarly together activated a one that completely screwed me over and stopped me from yeah. benefiting from various society effects and other kinds of things. Yeah. So and, and like losing more morale when I was reclaiming my workers and stuff. So yeah. those markets like the key to the game and they're also how you score victory points like further on in the game. Um, but each of those is randomly dealt out of a stack of like 30 odd or something. So you only ever see six a game and those benefits and penalties are really wide ranging yeah you also don't know what the benefits and, and detriments are until you've until built, you've built it. it yeah and so then you, you flip it over yeah so you can't focus on something to benefit you you're just going to go for something and kind of hope it's going to be what you're after um, you're as in the dark as much yeah. as the workers kind of thing yeah. well it, it's um it's a cheap vp at the end of the day isn't it really like you just turn our resource into one vp or two resources into one vp and make sure that you you kind of kick the boot in the other person's face I, I really, like, even though it completely iced me out of the game and I struggled to keep, <laughs> keep up up, I enjoyed the way that the market economy worked because I was had to just then re- keep rethinking my game strategy. And although I didn't think I could actually catch Sam in his lead, it was making me do some quite interesting things. And I was trying to think about how I could maybe try and slow him down or how I could catch up. And it just, it, every now and again, when you thought you had the game sort of nailed and like a little game engine going, it just completely turned it on its head again. And I did enjoy that, although I just couldn't mobilize against it quick enough in order to get myself back back on the level playing field. It really, really did hurt. It's hard to grok, I think, from like just a couple of games, but like the yeah. most like our two player game was super close. You know, we were both one star away from victory. Um and but with the three player game, yeah, tellingly at the end of it, Sam had most of his stars down on markets and he came first. Yeah. I had less stars down on markets, I came second, and you had fewer stars down the markets and you came third um and that could just be the way that we played it and there are definitely other paths to laying stars down and and getting victory points but that seemed to be like if you suffer the penalties of too many markets you'll really get crippled um and if you reap the benefits of helping to build more markets you get more victory points more quickly as well so it's definitely something I consider for next time we play like as soon as somebody's building anything you're like yeah I gotta get a resource down and get get in on that action and it changes things with a three-player game because it only takes two people to build a market, two like resources. That's right. So as soon as one person starts building it, the other person has to jump in because then person number three is going to miss out. That's so. it, yeah. And I just when I was playing, I was trying to think, how can I get resources in hand for when Tristan or Sam inevitably put down, or even better, when I can chuck a resource down on one of them and put you on the back foot for a second. Um, and it was just like, oh, I can't seem to get them quick enough. But then, like, I think Sam had an ability where as long as he took all his dice away from one particular area, he could get a free stone, I think. Yeah, it, mad. We, we agreed it was probably a little bit OP'd, that one. Cause it oh, was, yeah. I just kept putting all my workers into the subterra area to get water. Yeah, Every time I then, took them back, yeah. they would give me more water or stone. You were basically gaining an action in the... So after you place your workers down, you have to spend your turn to get them all back. And normally that's like kind of a waste of a turn because all you're doing is literally retrieving yeah. the workers. Whereas you were doing that and, and getting the benefit of an action valuable, at the same time. 
So yeah, yeah it yeah. was it was cool. It was cool. Yeah, it was really it was really good and using it to like its full advantage as well. But it was just like ah, oh, if there's there would, there's about four different ways that I could have easily turned like you know commodities into resources. I just wasn't seeing it or wasn't strategizing enough to you know to, in order to do it or. I was trying it in a bit of a you know analysis paralysis where I was thinking, well, if I have water, I could turn that maybe into clay. But then if I take um, electricity, I can turn it into gold rather than just picking one and going for it and hoping that it's still relevant by the time it gets to the market action. Um, but yeah, I just thought there was it's, it's it's classic really massive Euro game feeling where there's a million and one things out on the board to do, and you've got like three workers to do it with. And you can't pick one of them. And, and you want to <laughs> block everybody with every turn and you want to you know, progress yourself with every turn. And, and you never do enough. No, but it always puts a smile on my face because I'm, I'm having fun. I'm always constantly trying to work out what the F I should actually be doing <laughs> during this game. What do you think of the components and the art and stuff? Oh, they're, they're pretty swick, aren't they? I do. It's not, not normally my sort of style, but I like it. I think it works really well. It's quite they cool. I, I think it's almost like a... 1980s view of a futuristic dystopia. Oh, I'll go further than that. I'm going to say 20s view. Um, be interesting before, like, because we're like media studies nerds. When we went to college, we didn't do proper <laughs> lessons like maths and stuff. <laughs> I did media studies and then film at uni. So obviously, I didn't have a chance. But even the front of the box, <laughs> it was like it's got workers in treadmills, like you know, big sort of hamster wheels. There's like sunlight coming up. Everything's in an Art Deco style. And it's just like Metropolis, you know, the old silent movie. You know, it feels really nice. And then there's like the Mad Max style wastelands outside. You've got these like Hindenburg style airships collecting cloud drugs. <laughs> Summit's going on there. And then there's the downstairs sort of like Aqua Park, Gattaca style weirdness. Um, so it's Underground a good... Underground water park. Yeah. It's a, it's a lovely like mishmash, isn't it? It's very industrial. Yeah. Um, but it all works really well. Like yeah. the the art's not the best artwork I've seen in a Stonemaier game, but it serves its purpose brilliantly. And I think it's a bit difficult when you're comparing the art to side though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like but like like Wingspan come out and there's some pretty slick artwork yeah. in that. It's it's almost one of those. It's um it it feels very cartoony because it is because it's going in heavy on an idea of a theme. And it's, it works out great. But the, the actual quality of the components, like there's some really heavy cardboard. There's some um, nice wooden chits, which we've seen again in Scythe. They've probably been reused in other Stonemaier games that we've not really played. And like really good um, quality. Well. Between Two Castles, it's come with like all yeah. the storage trays oh, and everything. It's pretty much the best storage really cool. you get yeah. in a game. You get loads of baggies as well. And you're like, oh, cool, baggies. But then once you've actually used all the storage trays, you don't even need them. It's like... It's one of the few games where the insert is so well designed. Yeah. You know, you'd be crazy to get rid of it. But you do you do worry like you're gonna tear it in two. Like it's like where how do we open it? Yeah. And it's like that's you, a good point. Yeah, you do that you special handshake and it pops up. Yeah. And you know, you just get the corners, get just the corners, pull the corners. gingerly. Don't don't not pull the corners. If you pull from the middle, <laughs> you risk ripping <laughs> yeah, the plastic. Use your bare strength to get into it. <laughs> But yeah, no, the, the wood, the plastic, uh, storage trays, all yeah. those components were dice. top notch. Those dice were amazing. I um, agree my, with what you say about the art as well. My favourite dice. It's like that cool sort of art deco style, but yeah. um, it doesn't give me the same sort of thrill that you get from Scythe with like the Encounters art and stuff in that. Um, yeah. But the board is nice to look at, just looking at the back of the box. Yeah. And it delineates all the spaces nicely. And I think the first time you look at it, you're a bit like, what the heck? You know, there's so much going on on this. 
but after a couple of turns, it really sort of starts to yeah. Also, there's, sink there's, in. there's only about four words on the whole board, I think. Yeah, it's, it's all it's the same. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd say they're really obvious as to what they are. Spend this, get yeah. that sort of thing. And each of the icons is significantly different from one another. It's not really confusing as to what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. the, the only thing was that commodities resource thing, which. It's, it's just syntax at the end of the day and to it, be yeah. honest you could quite happily play this game with like you know four mates and mix up resources and commodities or refer to them as other things and you can't you understand what the other player is trying to do they are they are very different in the game though aren't they because they like one of them will get you artifact cards and the others yeah. will get you the resources yeah. the commodities get you resources yeah. kind of thing. but yeah. you'd I think you'd quickly establish a you know a, a, a sort of like you know what to call it like a lingua a uh, uh, when you you know when you understand people when they can't vernacular. say words, it's like vernacular. Vernacular. yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and we we got on well with like if, if we can get on well with a game that might have a potential problem like that, then the average human brain can probably keep up. To be honest with you, we, we do like to challenge ourselves <laughs> on a daily basis. Uh, that's just dressing myself. To be honest, um, yeah. So there we go. Um, we've had a really good look at the game there. What? Did, did you guys have a lot of fun? I know you did, Sam. You won by probably cheating. Tristan, you have fun the two times playing? I preferred this to Between Two Castles um, because yeah. it feels like more of a thematic experience. It's a heavier experience. It's heavier. It? And um, you're not sort of counting VPs and stuff. You, yeah. you literally have a path to victory and you've got to find creative ways to do it. Um, in the two-player game, I felt like I always had the opportunity to in a three-player yeah. game. It felt like I was a bit more put upon because, like, if you completed something that screwed me yeah. over, that was one thing, and then if Sam completed something that screwed me over, that was another thing. And so you've really got to step up your game. I would be really interested to see how it plays with yeah four, five, and six players as well. The dynamic changed completely. Yeah. Um, it was like a fast sort of like take your turn very quickly, a swift action um, sort of puzzle a game when it was the two of us. But then it became a cutthroat, you know, grabby, blocky euro. <laughs> but it still, it still has it. that great thing like scythe, and like lots of worker placement games, where you literally you take a turn and then it's the next guy's go. So you're always um, just taking a turn yeah. and just rattling through. So the downtime is very low. It's just trying to puzzle your way through what you want to do when your turn comes around, and even yeah. even the choice of getting your workers back is a big one. Because you might not want to take all of them back. You might want to leave some on the markets if they're invested in building there. Um, Sam did a couple of cool moves where he left guys in place specifically so that you could only withdraw yeah. the, your workers. That, yeah, so you yeah. got so you activated your ability even though you weren't getting all your workers back. And Plus that helped with the, with the knowledge, knowledge role because yeah. I was keeping it down. So you, you've then Crafting. got less chance of the smarty pants workers running off on you kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, which in the game versus Lecky, I had happened <laughs> every so time funny. I went over two workers, they were like, still nope, beat me. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so I had a, I had two workers pretty much consistently yeah. throughout that game by rolling triple sixes, like last... which I would never do in a game that requires <laughs> triple sixes. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you need to move these dice into every other game. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> the last quarter of the game, you just had one worker, didn't you? One little dice yeah. rolling. Like, I'm going to bring in my D and D dice for this. <laughs> Swap them out. <laughs> They're cursed dice. <laughs> Cannot Triple use those. every time. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, nice, nice. Good work. Good work there, Jamie. Um, really enjoyed Euphoria. Um, thank you very much for sending a copy. Is there anything else we want to add? I want to play it again. Okay. Other it's than that. only midnight, so let's set up. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally. Not, not right this second, but I, I want to play it again. Yeah. Now we've played we, it and we understand a bit more of the impact of oh, so, the actions. It's, it's easy to learn. We again. need the other guys to come in and then we can know a bit more than them. <laughs> yeah. And all do better. That's it. That's how we do it. Um, you did a really good job of teaching the game, but how was that as a learning experience? Is the teach good on this? It was really nice and simple, actually. Um, I picked it up, I think, today and just yeah, learned it. Perfect. And so the rule book is dead clear. The, what you're doing on each turn is dead simple. You're literally placing a worker or getting them back. Yeah. But then all the ways that you can do that add the variety. There's a few things to track, like the progression of each of the different societies in that. But... Um, and if you're reading the the book, the rule book uh, in the garden, like I was, yeah, um, it's a little different. Whereas if you set it all up in front of you, it all just becomes clear so much more quickly. Nice. It's, um, a, it's yeah. a great sort of um, start a game for the evening, isn't it? Really, like you know, just get into something quickly, something enjoyable. Yeah, but it feels quite meaty for what it is. I, I'm oh, surprised yeah. that we got through two games of that and another game as well in in one sitting. Yeah, I think with maybe with three or four players, we, you know, two games might have like taken up the evening. Yeah. But that first two player game, it was it was it was wild. It was, you know, really quick. <laughs> like rattled through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it was just constant like dice throwing. It was almost a real time game. Yeah. I think we made maybe two rules lookups once we started going. Yeah. It wasn't And even then we didn't yeah. you know, it, it wouldn't have mattered too much. And there's a reference card. Once you've read the rules, there's a double sided reference A four card yeah. that has like everything on it. That was my A4. only uh, no, it's a size of a poker card in it. Reference. No, no, oh, sorry, there's, there's, a there's a cheat sheet. Oh, yeah, right. Got the I thought you meant. Yeah, that was. I really like that though because it, the the double usage. Mm, I didn't like the double usage. So <laughs> let's explain. Let's explain what we do or don't like <laughs> before we start mocking it. Um, so there's a resource reference card which just tells you these is what this is what commodities are. This is what resources are. This is what this logo means. This is what this means. And on the back of that card, you've got a uh, sort of a bluffing secret mission. So it is, you pick up a particular artifact card, so it could be a teddy bear, copy of a board game, I think it was Viticulture, um, balloons, uh, or you trade in two unknown artifact cards and you immediately get a campaign star or you get uh, to choose two more um, factions to recruit and you choose one. But for me, I wanted to look at the resources and commodities were more than the bluff but once you've kind of like claimed the bluff then that's sort of face up and it just became awkward to check you are allowed to flip it back over to check if you want yeah yeah that's fine (laughs) but i want everyone to know that i actually earned a star this game (laughs) but it's a very minor grumble to have on such a wonderful game like euphoria sam's laughing which is very rude very rude why are you laughing because of your holdups over a card uh, it's it, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, when you're going into that depth of uh, pedantry to try and look for a con for a game, <laughs> then it speaks volumes about the game you've been sent for free. It was Thank much you. more fun theme as well than like medieval farming. <laughs> <laughs> much much more fun. Um, yeah, and it's it's just nice. It's like Tomorrowland, the world of the future, except everything's horrible and you want to escape. <laughs> but you kind of don't. Yeah. Well, it's the theme of the game I'm describing, not the game itself. (laughs) (laughs) The game's really good. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, there we go. There we have it. Is there any more games a bit like Euphoria, you reckon, Matt? There's loads of work placement games out there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they do the theme the same way that this does, and the implementation of that theme, it's just a really nice, interesting take on things. 
Um, Agricola, it ain't. <laughs> I've, I've never played Agricola and I don't intend to. I traded it away. You see, I, it didn't go down so well. You didn't enjoy it, did you, Sam? No. Yeah. But cool. I, I kind of liked, I just like building a little farm, but then after a while you're like, I want to burn the farm down. It needs more goblins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Goblin farming. Go on. Dungeon Lords. <laughs> Right then, yeah. Well, there we have it. Euphoria, build a better dystopia by Stonemaier Games. We we did it, do it, enjoy. It brought smiles to our faces. Um, well, I say that I also had a bit of a frown because Sam won basically. A couple of tears of frustration when that happened. Oh, so much. It doesn't happen very often. I love being frustrated though. <laughs> like, that's that's the thing. It's like uh, the retrospective fun is always greater than the nightmarish. How do I win this game? <laughs> At any cost, including, you know, shanking Sam <laughs> with this rusty knife. What have we told you about winning, Sam? Yeah, stop doing it. Let us do it. I don't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's quite clear. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> just, just run around in circle in the corner. Whoop, 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 whoop. Okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thanks very much for uh, listening to us again this week. And we'll be back soon with more chit-chat about games. Yeah, we've got... We've got some um, we've got some pretty cool interviews lined up, haven't we, as well, um, towards the end of the month. So stay tuned, and you'll be hearing them soon. Nice one. Bye. Bye.